People don't know what it is to be champions. Oklahoma invented it. Insider Studios, here's your Welcome, welcome, welcome to AT&T Stadium here in Arlington, Texas, where probably the greatest, most hype, well, I wouldn't say most hype, but the greatest Big 12 title game we've ever seen played happened right here in this stadium today when Oklahoma beats Baylor 30-23 to in overtime. There's not much more you can say about this game that Probably hasn't already been said, and it's only been, what, an hour and a half, two hours since the game ended. Uh, probably the post-game uh, shows are getting after it. You're probably hearing a lot of, well, what if this, what if that stuff with the playoffs. But my guys, Colin Kennedy, Joey Helmer, myself, OUinsider.com staff, are here to break it down on the OUinsider.com post-game podcasts for you Sooners fans out there today. Hey, guys. Oh, man. It was a disastrously good game for the defense, if I might say so myself. So I guess let's start out with your takeaways defensively. Oklahoma really put it on the Baylor Bears today, and they did so after Baylor went through three different quarterbacks. And people are going to say, well, they had a third-string quarterback. Guys, they didn't prepare for these guys. They probably didn't prepare for Jerry Bohannon at all, except for a couple of packages. So when they go out there and they do the things that they did to them, it really, really makes it – for those of us that know the game of football, know the X's and O's, in that it's not an easy thing for them to do. As a matter of fact, DTY said – he said, well, he said it wasn't hard, but he said it wasn't easy at the same time because he said you just go out there and you play your game, but at the same time you've got to, again, play your game. And you've got to do it well. We'll start with you, Colin. Takeaways from the defense – what did you think of the overall defensive play? And not just that, what stood out to you as far as maybe players making plays? I think I'm going to know where you're going to go with the biggest play of the game. But other than that big play, you can you can touch on that. But a couple of other things that you thought stood out. Yeah, it was probably the best defensive performance Oklahoma's put together here in the past several years against the Baylor Bears. And, oh, by the way, the injury thing. Oklahoma lost Buki Radley-Hiles, Adrian Ely, Kennedy Brooks. So both squads lost their fair share of key players. But I just love the defensive intensity throughout the game. I thought Lincoln Riley brought up a really good point earlier in the season when he said that this defensive group is different because they enjoy the opportunity to face adversity. And that's exactly what they did today. And you guys know that coming into this game, Baylor was a really good football team on a mission. And to handle that squad the way that this Sooner defense did was extremely impressive. Standout performance for me defensively goes to Parnell Motley. And it goes overlooked so many times, but I've mentioned it to a lot of people on our board. Parnell Motley has consistently shut down the opponent's number one wide receiver week in and week out. The one guy that he maybe slipped up on was Denzel Mims in the first half alone. 
last time they were in Waco. What happened today, folks? Parnell Motley locks up Denzel Mims. Mims has zero catches, zero yards on like two or three targets the entire game. That is incredible. The play that you were mentioning real quick, Trey Brown probably saving the season by chasing down Chris Platt, who is a track star, runs 4-3 speed, similar to Brown, but the extra effort is exactly what Alex Grinch is preaching. In the end, that's my performance. That's my play. Overall, outstanding play from Speed D. There were two long plays, obviously that one for 78 yards, that, I, and I agree. That, that was probably the key play of the game. Instead of a touchdown that gives Baylor the lead, we're talking about a tie game in overtime. Also, though, if you remember, at the end of the first half, at the very end of the first half, Tyquan Thornton has a, a 28, 29-yard play, and Delure and Turner Yell runs him down. That also leads to three points. That's six points instead of 14 points. Eight huge points that Oklahoma kept off the board. Those kinds of plays, you know, they're not the prettiest plays that maybe in the stat sheet you, you look and it, and it says, okay, he sacked him or he, he has an interception. Those plays win you games. And then on top of that, Oklahoma tied a season high with 15 tackles for loss. They lived in the backfield. They made it, you know, very uncomfortable for any of the three Baylor quarterbacks that were in there today. So, you know, you you had the, the, the sexy plays and you also had – to grind it out, the grit, the plays that you have to make to win games. And so that's where this Oklahoma defense is right now. They make the pretty plays, but they also make the, the plays that are important to getting you these close wins that we've seen down the stretch here for Oklahoma. Yeah, you touched on a couple of things that I like, just the grittiness, the toughness. Alex Grinch, I asked him during the, the postgame breakouts, and I said, oh, Jalen Redmond. And he came up huge today. I mean, huge. And it wasn't just him coming up big in getting the sacks or uh, causing. Yeah, it wasn't the, the, the statistics that made it big. It was his toughness. It was him always causing pressure on the quarterback. I don't know how many times you look down and you see one of Baylor, Bohannon, uh, whether it's Brewer or Zeno, Zeno all those guys running around looking – you know, restless in the pocket. And that's because 31 and number 90 were coming up their butt. I mean, it was – I don't want to say that. It sounded awful. Let me rephrase that. <laughs> so, and no, no, I'm not going to cut that out because it's kind of humor. They were – they were. I was going to say in their ass too, but that just sounds bad too. So just – well, yeah. Well, I'm going to say they were in their ass. They were in their face all night long. It was, it was a – it, it, you know what? Alex Grinch said this, and I'm going to quote him here. And he said, it got to the point with the front where I was just over there thinking, how the hell am I not going to screw this up because they were playing so good? How do I not make a bad call? And that's verbatim what he said. How the hell am I not going to screw this up? And you look down at the stats, and you say, Dad gum. They only had 265 total yards. Oklahoma almost bested them 200 total yards and Oklahoma did not play very well offensively and that's a credit let me get this straight that's a credit to Baylor everybody wants to be little Baylor and say this and that because they have the Baylor name to him that's a damn good football team I mean they are good they're well coached they are tough they are athletic 
they have one of the best fronts in all of college football. I would venture to say Oklahoma has one of the best fronts in all of college football. If I said that at the beginning of the year, that would be a laughable statement. That was their strength on defense. But now what you see out of Benito, Uwebu, Perkins, uh, Neville Gallimore, Jalen Redman, uh, Dylan Famatahu was – I mean, he was playing – Balls out today, too. Isaiah I mean, Thomas has a sack. Isaiah Thomas has a sack. I mean, they are getting after people. So that, to me, was the difference in the ballgame. I think Oklahoma has more dudes, and those dudes played big in moments that they normally weren't playing big. And I think that's that's a testament to where Oklahoma's been in this ballgame before, so they understand it. Now, next year, if these two teams meet again, and they are viable to do that as long as Matt Rule sticks around because both teams are fairly young. So if they come around and they they meet up again next year, who's to say it's not going to be the other way around and Oklahoma finally loses a Big 12 title game because now they're experienced. But we'll, we'll flip to the offensive side of the ball. Takeaways. I mean, Oklahoma, I think, and I'm just going to throw this out here and see what y'all think, sometimes Lincoln kind of gets in his own way and he kind of leans back to this Mike Leach way of calling plays where he he gets away from the run game a bit. I think he ran Jalen too much today when he has, I'm here to say it, number 29. Number 26 is really good. Number 29, he's a bad man when he gets going. Mm -hmm. But you got to give him the ball more than two or three times in a row. Let him get in a rhythm. What's your take on how the game, I guess the overall flow of the game for Oklahoma offensively? Yeah, it, it, I mentioned it to somebody. A lot of people were asking me surprisingly at halftime, hey, what do you think's wrong with this offense? And I was like, what do you mean? And people said, well, it just seems like a little bit stagnant. And I would, would venture to say it's almost impressive that Oklahoma is so efficient offensively without the deep ball at, almost at all in the factor. Like, the major play of the day came very early in the game. CeeDee Lamb erupting for that, what, 71-yard game? But that's about it in terms of explosive plays. And he created that himself. We're not talking about deep bombs over the middle. Just the way that this group has formed a new identity offensively is very impressive. And, yeah, it's not pretty by any stretch. A lot of people watch this kind of football, especially in the Big 12, and say, what the hell is going on? But it works. It works, and it's yeah. It, it it it's a testament to the maturity of Lincoln Riley as a play caller. He understands who he has in terms of personnel, and he's adjusting. It's also a testament to guys like Kennedy Brooks, Ramondre Stevenson, who did really well. And I would finally wrap up on the offensive side of things. We could talk about the receivers. I want to quickly mention that Oklahoma loses Adrian Ely, who I think is an outstanding player. And by the way, he was limping a ton in the first half. I was going to drop a little bit of a note there on the VIP board, but. Ely was struggling to walk. And then Eric Swenson comes in. Proctor's had to fill in now. This group is still makeshift up front, and they're finding ways to get it done. I'm extremely impressed. But they're still, again, like Lincoln Riley said, a long ways to go if they intend to challenge an Ohio State or an LSU, especially on the offensive side of the ball. Yeah, no, there, there's no doubt about it. I mean, you look, and it's been the inconsistencies of the offensive line. But – down the stretch here, it's obviously come together. I, I think you look back at, at the springtime and when Creed Humphrey was not in the lineup, right, guys? Because they had to use a lot of different lineups with these guys 
and everyone's a new starter. Creed Humphrey is not a new starter and, and or is the only returning starter, and he's not in there to help these guys. And so what you've seen throughout the season, similar kind of thing to today. You know, these guys kind of moving in and out, different lineups, they're accustomed, accustomed to it because of what happened in the offseason. And um, obviously not their best performance, but, but good enough at the end of the day. Um, and it, I, I think, again, we, we got to talk about getting back to the run game. When Lincoln Riley early in the second half, I thought he established Brooks and Stevenson, and that was huge. You know, he kind of got away from it, and it's almost frustrating at times when you look and you're saying, okay, they're, they're picking up yards. And I understand, you know, Stevenson, he, he toasts the rock eight times for 48, averages six. Oklahoma only averages 2.9 per today. But they can run the football effectively, and if it's working at times, don't go away from it. You know, and I thought in the second half they started to build that margin again because they got back to the run game. No, I, I, I 100% agree with you. They, they, they got back to the run game, and things started to flow better. <clears throat> Excuse me, especially in the late fourth quarter. Um, now, they weren't able to punch it in at times, but I think they when they realized that I'll say it, when, when Ramondre Stevenson got in a flow in overtime, he finally got in a flow because he was able to run some in the, in the fourth quarter, and you saw it. He was breaking some bigger runs and doing things that he wasn't doing in the first half because he got consecutive carries in a row. He got a feel for the ball game, the speed of the game, and things started to come natural to him at that point. He's a game changer when you give him a chance. He's a difference maker. Now, I know that Kennedy Brooks gets you the ample yards no matter what. He's going to get the maximum amount of yards – within the confines of the play. The difference between those two is sometimes Ramonje may not do that because he's kind of a home run guy, but he will break that long run and you're not catching him. You're going to catch Kennedy Brooks. He's not a speedster. There's nothing, there's nothing speedy about that guy. He's, he's smooth. He's a smooth operator. Um, the other thing I wanted to touch on was just the atmosphere. I thought the Oklahoma fans, and this is, well, let's not even get into that. Let's just jump right in the playoffs. How about we do that? Because I, I think that's what everybody's here. They're here for the meat and potatoes. They, they, they're ready for the big stuff. We have the big guns. And plus, we've got about five, six, seven more minutes of this before we have to get on out of here and head back to the great state of Oklahoma, uh, carrying a Big 12 title victory with us as we leave back. Obviously, we didn't win it. But we were here, so it was fun. Um, anyways, the uh, playoffs, we're, we're, as we sit right here, we're, we're, we're recording. It is a Saturday afternoon. It is halftime of the LSU-Georgia game. Georgia is down 14-3, to and all Oklahoma fans you hear going, <sighs> rejoicing. They are rejoicing. They're happy. Everything's falling into place for them. Oklahoma is likely going to play Ohio State, unless, obviously, they lose to Wisconsin, will that matter? A better question is we've seen Oklahoma with their backs against the wall with the, you are not going to win this ball game. You have no chance of winning at all. 2000, 2013 against Alabama, and uh, 2017 against Ohio State. And I think I'm forgetting another one where they said they wouldn't win. Uh there's been several that, that people gave 
given Oklahoma no shot to win between now and um, 2000, and I would say Nebraska 2000, all these games where Oklahoma wasn't the favorite and they were a huge dog, what happened in those games? Oklahoma won. Is this the best-case scenario for Oklahoma? Because in years past, they were the favorite against Clemson. They were the fav- No, they weren't the favorite against Georgia, but they played well. And they played well enough to win except for the last two and a half, or last quarter and a half. Um, they weren't they weren't the favorite last year, but they they made a, a, a game of it. But it, they people also thought, you know, Oklahoma had a chance. I don't think anybody's given Oklahoma a chance against Ohio State. Do they have a chance? Yeah, I would quickly say that. I've discussed this a couple of times. It, if this is going to be the team to do it, I think it is the best built team. And the reason I say that is because, number one, they have established a strong run game. And they can then, number two, conserve their defense and allow that defensive unit to play well-rested and with a level of intensity to them. That's what you've seen them do over the past couple of weeks. That's why they're winning these games. When you are outmatched in terms of talent, you must control the clock and you must play intense underdog-style defense. This is the exact group to do that, whereas in years past, you had home run hitting offenses that gave to a tired defense and in turn led up against more talented squads. I think that this case is a little bit different. It favors Oklahoma, but I still think it's a very high mountain to climb in terms of the Ohio State Buckeyes if that's the matchup they eventually get. Yeah, and that's what it looks like the matchup is going to be. I, we'll see what the committee does with LSU. I expect Ohio State, um, again, as we record this, with the games tonight, I think they're going to win that game big. Uh, if there's no reason, um, there hasn't been any reason to put LSU back on that one line, then why would there be tonight So, uh, t- or tomorrow? So it seems to me that it's going to be Ohio State. And I agree with everything you said. Try and shorten the game. Get the run game going. Uh, the defense continues to play at this level. They're going to be in, in football games with everyone. I mean, they, they will be a couple score underdog in this game without question. But you have to like your chances with what Alex Grinch has been doing. And, and then again, um, if you can shorten the game and make it a third, fourth quarter game and it comes down to a couple key plays, Maybe Oklahoma hits the couple of key plays like they've done to win the Big 12 championship this year, guys. Okay, yeah, I'm with you all 100%. And here's why I'm with you guys on this. I think this is the toughest team Oklahoma's had in probably over a decade. I think they are resilient. I think that's that's actual words that was used by Alex Trance. He said this defense is resilient and this defense is battle-tested. They come to play no matter what. And, he, again, I'm, I'm referencing Jalen Redmond because that's where that came up when we were talking about Jalen Redmond. I said, he brought those two boards up. And I said, is he the type of person that you're talking about? And he said, absolutely. He said, the guys had all this stuff that's happening with the blood clots, the concussions, the shoulders. All of this stuff has happened to this guy. And he just keeps coming back. And like I said on the uh, the face, well, sorry, we're in the hallway of AT&T Stadium trying to get through this podcast. But the the crazy part is is that 
I am so distracted now because of that. That was just because you beep, 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 beep. Anyways. Um, <laughs> damn you. Um, so he said the guy has been through everything, shoulders, all this stuff, and he continues to fight through. And he said we got to have more of those guys. We have those guys in a Kenneth Murray. We have those guys in a Jalen Redmond, a Neville Gallimore, those type of dudes. He said, but we probably need more. And but he thinks that every day he gets more. Ronnie Perkins is coming around. That type of stuff. So I think everything that you all said encompassed in they're tough. They don't take the bull crap. And even they were even asked about all the ESPN talk. And with a smile on his face, Alex Grinch said, sometimes, you know, using that to motivate these guys. And they're gonna see it. They're gonna this all this is gonna be used. And this is the type of team I think that is going to use it to their advantage and to fuel them. And they're not gonna let it get to them mentally. They are. They're, they're so tough. They use everything right. I think the proper amount of energy is used for getting back at people. Not too much, but just enough to where they say, hey, we're this good. And the fact that they've been through, I don't, Ohio State hasn't been through a tough test. So what's going to happen if they get in a battle? How are they going to respond? When they get down, how are they going to respond? That's the type of stuff. But, hey, we have a long time to talk about all this. Once again, Oklahoma comes out on type. They are the five-time, five-time, five straight, five in a row. Did you know that this is, and I want to look at the game notes real quick before we head on out, that I think this is the longest tenured win. Uh, here it is. It is, yeah, so, yes, it's the longest since between Oklahoma and the other longest. It was Alabama, 71 through 75. So uh, that's kind of interesting how Oklahoma has the two. They're, they're so dominant in streaks. When you talk about 47 in a row, the conference, all this stuff, they have all of them, 35 in a row, all that stuff. So anyways, Oklahoma once again wins their fifth straight Big 12 title. For and I just want to end up with uh, there's 50% off. We have to do our promo, guys. Got to pay some bills. So if you're not on OUinsider.com, please do, because we are one of the fastest-growing sites on 247. We had over 300 new sign-ups in the past two and a half months. And everybody has come with glowing reports because we have guys like Colin. We have guys like Joe. We have guys like RJ. And we have guys like myself and, and Swanee with the pictures, Colin with the pictures and the video, all that stuff. These guys work their asses off for you. And it's only 50% off right now on annual memberships till I think, Monday, Tuesday night. And then uh, it's always for the next couple of weeks, I think $1 for the first month of membership. And you're going to get – the playoffs or bowls, you're going to get the National Signing Day in December. You're going to get the high school playoffs. You're going to get the February signing day. You're going to get uh, the spring stuff. You're going to get all that. All you have to do is sign up OUinsider.com. For Colin Kennedy, Joey Helmer, myself, thank you for listening.